everybody, before we get started, spoiler alert for Spider-Man Far From Home. If you haven't seen the movie yet, don't listen to this episode. There are a lot of spoilers. But once you have seen the movie, come back and listen to this episode. Hope you enjoy! Hey, welcome back to the Unreliable Narrators Podcast. I'm Maggie. I'm Kiara. And so, Kiara, what were you up to this week? Nothing much, but uh, two weeks ago, I watched Spider-Man Far From Home. Well, fancy that. I went to go see Spider-Man Far From Home on Sunday. What a coincidence. Do you have any thoughts about it? Oh, I have plenty of thoughts. Well, that's probably what we should talk about today, huh? Probably. We definitely didn't plan that in advance. (laughs) We totally don't have a mutual episode calendar that we look at and decide what we're going to talk about. We definitely don't have an Excel spreadsheet because I'm a nerd. We are just so in tune that we know that we both that we just, We're just both... in sync. We yeah. have like a mind link and we just know automatically. It's it's amazing. Experimental technology. Well, anyway, since we're talking about Far From Home today. I actually, you can't see it, but I have my Paris mug today that I'm drinking my tea out of. So in honor of our European adventure. Oh, right. Uh, I was going to ask you because I actually thought about it like while I was watching it and stuff. I was like, this makes me think of how Maggie went this summer. Like, she is Peter Parker. Okay, I, I wouldn't go that far because <laughs> I didn't end up, you know, like saving the planet from a disgruntled... um stark industries employee but um oh by the way spoilers yeah i just realized i'm like well crap <laughs> we can put something at the beginning Peter. i can always record something and put it at the beginning yeah but keep said because this is funny but by the way spoilers for spider-man far from home if you haven't seen it yet what are you waiting for um yeah. or maybe you just have no desire to go see it and you're listening to this instead which i respect i yeah i respect that too but still you should go see it at some you point you should go see it but I mean, um, if you care about spoilers, hang out, though. If if you still plan to see the movie, but you're just like, ah, I don't care about spoilers and you listen to this, I would recommend still seeing the movie because before you listen to this, because there's a lot of things you wouldn't think would be, oh, it's a spoiler, but it is. And mm-hmm. it's probably better if you, like, experience it for yourself. Yeah. Like what I just said. On the bright side, you didn't say, like, who it was. That That's is true. Darkly. Well, anyway, what Kiara was saying was I was actually on a trip in France with my school earlier this summer. Um, I did not go all around Europe. I was in France most of the time. I took a day trip to a city in Switzerland, and I took a day trip to a town in Germany, but that was about it. I, okay, so I was cyber-schooled, homeschooled my whole life, so, like, I had classmates, but I never, like, did anything with them. So, like, these kinds of school trips were not a part of my growing up years. And so this was, like, the first time I went on something that you would call, like, a class trip to another country. Like, my brother, when he was in high school, he went to Canada somewhere or something. And I'm watching this movie and like the first couple scenes where they're like going through the airport, getting like to what's what's the first place they go to? Are they in Venice first? Uh, yeah. Okay. I lost track of like the order that they were in places. Yeah, they did kind of just hop around. So uh, it's just that whole part. And I'm just like, I relate to this. Like, I feel, it, it kind of captures like the weirdness and the awkwardness of being with like your school mm-hmm. on this random trip and I don't know. It, it, that I just thought that was really funny. And also, okay, there was one student on our trip, and he shall remain nameless, um, who bought a hat, like Ned's hat, in this in the, at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. It, it's like that weird, like, vaguely pretentious kind of fedora hat. <laughs> and 
when I saw that Ned had it, I was like, oh my gosh, he has his hat. He has the hat. Why does he have the hat? This um, is my life story. The only thing, the only issue that I had, I don't know. So when I went on the trip, there were 15 students and 13 of them were women. And maybe that's just because like there are more women at my school than there are men. Yeah. I, and so then they go on this trip and I'm like, wow, there seems to be an equal distribution of men and women. That doesn't seem realistic, but maybe that's just my personal experience. I don't know how things work in actual high schools because I've never been to one. Yeah, um, or it could just be like movie magic of we want to make it equal. So it's interesting. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? So anyway, all that aside, I really enjoyed this movie. <laughs> So did I. I loved it, and I have a lot of thoughts. So for anyone, just in general, maybe to say a little bit about this movie, uh, the movie was released July 2nd, 2019, um, and right now, as the time of recording, it is a 90% on the critic portion of Rotten Tomatoes and a 96% audience score, which is pretty high, but I also think is decent Like for the movie. like I think the movie deserves it. Yeah, I think it does, too. What should we start with? Let's... Should we just um, start with characters, sort of? Maybe some of them? Yeah, sure. Oh, wait, hold on. Slight tangent. I just remembered I wrote this down. The part where Ned goes, like, he's trying to convince um, Peter not to, like, make his move on MJ during this trip because they want to be bachelors in Europe and whatever. And he yeah. goes, like, Europeans love Americans. And I'm like, what? Cause, like, yeah, see, <laughs> what I loved about that is because I don't know if it's intentional or not, but, like, whenever he says that, um, Peter just gives him this look, and it makes me laugh because Tom Holland, who's playing Peter, is English. So, like, the way he's looking at him is just like, no, we don't, and I just love yeah. that. The one thing that we talked about, like, before going on this school trip was, like, the number one thing was don't be loud and obnoxious because then people are like, oh, those are Americans. And maybe that's just, like, a France thing. I don't know if it's, like, an all-across-Europe thing. But I was just like, are you sure about that? I can verify that is apparently a stereotype. Because the English people that I know, or, like, the people from the UK, whenever I talked to them before, they did say that the, lo- that the stereotype is the loud American. And I told them, I was like, I would be offended, except you're sort of true. Oh, <laughs> so- yeah, it's absolutely valid. When we were coming back from Switzerland on our day trip, we had been in France for like a week and a half at that point. So we'd kind of pretty much act, not like totally acclimated, but we kind of knew like how to act in public in a way that wasn't drawing attention to ourselves. And then we were on the train back from Switzerland and there were an, uh, there was another group of students who were riding back with us. I, I had no idea who they were, but they were so loud and like they were talking in English and so at first I was like, okay, maybe they're like from England or something. And then like they kept talking. I was like, no, they're American. And we, me and like the four Figures. other students who had gone on this trip, we all just kind of looked at each other like, why? We're better than you. We've learned. We've learned. Ooh, there's an ant on my desk. I'm going to kill Ant-Man. it real quick. Oh, no, Anthony. Oh, nope, it's gone. It's gone. Sorry. Be Anthony. Uh, Paul Rudd is crying somewhere. Yeah, he can get over it. All right. Well, anyway, let's talk about the movie and not about my time in France. So I mean, I want to hear more about it, but <laughs> okay. I, okay. Right. Let's let's start at the beginning. So, like, the movie opens with them. If I remember correctly, I saw this almost a week ago. I don't know why my memory is so bad, but the movie starts with um, the school announcement about what they call the blip. Yeah, which is the snap. Which is the snap. And they they started calling it the blip. And I was like, 
are you serious right now? Why would you, why did you call it that? But I guess most people don't know that like Thanos snapped his fingers, so it doesn't make sense that they would call it the snap, I guess. But even Bullet was such a weird name, like, why? <laughs> yeah, that, that was weird. But I really liked that, okay, I think Far From Home was the best choice for the first, like, post-Endgame movie to be released. Yeah. Because Spider-Man is such a normal world, like, if you had, I forget what else is on the docket for the future, but, like, if you had something with one of the other heroes that are more like a magical superhero-y world, yeah. um, it wouldn't feel as well. It wouldn't feel as good. Wow. And so like this is just like, it's just like a normal world and this is how it affected normal everyday people, especially in this particular high school. So I really liked that choice. And I thought it, I thought the opening announcement was funny. <laughs> Oh, it was so funny. It's it's just funny whenever you start hearing the I will remember you. Like, what is happening? And then, like, these pictures. I mean, it's not I will remember you. It's I will always love you. I will you. always love you. I was going to correct you, but I figured you would remember. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it starts out with, like, the I will always love you thing. And then it, like, showing these pictures of the Avengers who have died. Um, like Tony and Natasha, and like granted, their deaths were sad, but just, just this little like school project just made me laugh because then there's like these doves flying across the screen, and then there's like a picture of candles, like a video, a uh, clip of candles burning, mm -hmm. and then, and then it has a Getty Images watermark. Oh yeah, that was funny. Was so accurate. It was like some someone just learned how to use um the. Oh gosh, I don't remember because I'm not a I'm not a tech nerd. What is it like Adobe um, After Effects and stuff? Like they all just learned oh, all yeah. that, and they got they got a little trigger happy. <laughs> They're just like, this is so great! I'm gonna make the best memorial ever. And I think I think in the in loving memory or whatever it was in like comic mm -hmm. it was in like Comic Sans. It was in Comic Sans <laughs> that killed me. Comic Sans is such like a terrible font. Like anyone who tries to use it seriously. It's just yeah. why. It's not but also, these kids are going, they, like, they're our generation. They should know that Comic Sans is a meme, right? <laughs> I know that's really irrelevant, but, like, or maybe in, like, this post-Endgame world, Comic Sans is no longer a meme? I don't know. <laughs> I would I like was... to analyze the use of fonts in Spider-Man Far From Home. That's going to be my senior thesis. Yes. Please make it 50 pages long and I will read all of it. I'm sure you would. You'd be the only one, actually. What did you think about this movie focusing so heavily on Tony's death and the after effects of it, like on Peter and the rest of the world? I don't know. I don't, okay. Well, this it. is going to sound heretical because, like, on one hand, I'm just so tired of Tony Stark. I, I know that's, like, Marvel heresy, but just... I, I'm kind of just, like, when he... Okay, I was not that moved by his death. I, I'll come out right... I'll come right out and say that. Like, it was sad, and it was a good death. Like, that was definitely a well-written character death, and I don't have any problems with it. I just... I was so overexposed to Tony Stark that I was just kind of like, yep, it was time for him to go. Oh, I really liked how it focused on it because, because the same reason that people complained about Tony being in Homecoming and oh they're making it Tony's movie but I disagree I really liked the role 
in Homecoming that Tony played in being like a father figure to Peter and mm-hmm. disciplining him and trying to make sure he didn't make the same mistakes that Tony made. And then, of course, that translated into Infinity War and Endgame a little bit. But I liked that then, it seemed fitting to me that then the next Spider-Man movie, when Tony is gone, would revolve a lot around that because he was such a big influence in Peter's life. And then right. I guess... It also bothered me that he's the only one that people seem to care about remembering. That I guess that was more my problem. Like, okay, I won't say, I don't think Steve Rogers' sacrifices happened long before Endgame did. Does that make sense? Are you asking about technically like him going into the ice or him going back in time where it technically happened him going back in time wasn't a sacrifice really like what sacrifices are you talking about then i i I don't know like i know he's he's given up a lot of things in order to help save the world but that wasn't necessarily related to the events that happened in endgame this isn't really an important point I'm not sure where you're going with that point, but... Well, well what I'm saying is, like, he didn't necessarily... So, like, that makes sense that, like, maybe, like, it's just like, oh, yeah, Steve Rogers is gone, like, sad face. But then, like, freaking Black Widow dies to get one of the Infinity Stones, and no one gives a crap. That bothers me. I guess. Like, even in the, even in the video at the beginning of the movie, they're just like, here's a video, here's a picture that we cropped out from her speaking at the UN like 10 years ago. I'm like, are you kidding me, guys? You couldn't do any better. I mean, they were using Getty images, so no, I don't think they could do any better, but (laughs) I, yeah, I guess with Natasha, though, is that, I mean, I do think that her death was sad, and I do think that she does deserve to be remembered for her sacrifices but if you're thinking about the everyday person iron man or tony stark was like a huge figure he was a billionaire everyone knew who iron man was whereas maybe people knew of black widow but she was a lot more mysterious and a lot more closed off she wasn't someone that maybe they would have heard of her in relation to the avengers but wouldn't have had as much knowledge of her as people did tony that's fair, I suppose. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I just... Doesn't mean I'm happy about it. Well, yeah, she still deserves, you know, the same kind of... Justice for Natasha Romanoff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Start a new hashtag. Mm-hmm. Hashtag I will. Give Natasha a better ending. Um, Tweet at us with uh, hashtag Natasha Romanoff deserved better. <laughs> that's um we're at unreliable pod on yeah. twitter plug that twitter in plug the twitter yep. in yep it's early I'm in like, the morning like 10 minutes in and i'm like follow us on twitter mm-hmm. hey it's good to keep the people reminded but yeah anyway going back to tony stark like i can see i liked his if you can say his role i liked his role in this movie better than in homecoming there are a okay. few times he showed up in homecoming that i was just like eh Okay, I get it. You're here. You care about Peter. That's that's cool, bro. But in this movie, I liked that he like he still has influence over the plot in some ways because his business practices. Oh, the ants on my wall now. Sorry, I got distracted. Um, his his business practices. Ooh, just fell down. Uh, the business practices directly affect the conflict of the film like what he did i don't know what i'm saying 
I don't know. You distracted me now because now I'm thinking about little Anthony on your wall. Okay, well he's gone now. Um, what, what basically what I'm saying is Tony Stark's. Give me a second. So it sounds like what you're saying is that like Tony's presence still is a huge influence even though he's gone. Yeah. So like, that's an interesting thing okay. about how he's not even technically there, but yeah, he's still like the driving force behind everything. Right. And so like I like that better than him like actively being there in person and influencing the plot because like you know like the whole thing with Mysterio and his gang like they're all disgruntled Stark employees and then like Peter is of course deeply affected by Tony's death and I'm gonna kill this ant on my wall because I'm tired of moving around and distracting me no well it fell down on the floor I don't know where it is now you killed Anthony. Yeah, well, he'll get over it. You're like I Cap. Hit it. I like hit the wall. I'm like You're what? You're like Cap, Age of Ultron, where he's like, you get knocked down, get back up, get killed, walk it off. You're just like oh. Cap. No, <laughs> that's not how it works. I mean, it worked for him. Okay. <laughs> well, he technically die, but yeah, he might as well. I would have nice. Ooh, you can too, buddy. <laughs> What did you think about the whole romantic subplot with Peter and MJ? Because I loved it. I want to hear your thoughts on it first, actually. I've been talking a lot, so I want to hear what you have to say first. I, so you know that I'm not a huge one for romance movies and books Oh, and stuff I know. Because, <laughs> because usually the pe- characters are just thrown together and they're just like, oh, you better love them now. And I always say that, you need to make me like the characters separately before I like them together as a couple. Which there are some um, exceptions to that. There are some characters that I like separately that I don't like together. So that doesn't always work. But with Peter and MJ, I don't know if it's because I love both Tom Holland and Zendaya. But I love them so much together. They are so cute. They're so awkward. They seem very realistic. I mean, what would I know considering I've never been on a date or anything but they seem like what i would imagine to be kind of a very they seem awkward... like normal people yeah it's not like this weird i don't know it's like the thing in books where everyone acts like they're 35 and they're just like oh i'm in love with you and let's go make out or whatever and you're just kind of like okay no <laughs> chill and i also i don't know i really a lot of times too it's like the female in the relationship that bothers me. <laughs> I, oh, I, I know. I, I am aware of this phenomenon. <laughs> and I've tried to steer you in the right direction, but you refuse to listen. It is not the right direction. The girls are written terribly. But I think MJ is written really well. And I like how Zendaya portrays her. I like where she's just kind of her own person. And I especially like in the ending of this movie... Where, you know, she's always sort of a little bit abrasive, abrupt, kind of is very sarcastic, and people aren't entirely sure what she means by things. But at the end, she tells Peter that some of the reasons she is that way is because it's hard for her to get close to people. And I was just like, oh, I feel that, like a deep spiritual level, man. (laughs) And so I liked that with her, too. It wasn't just, oh, look at her, she's edgy. It's... Well, no, she has a reason for her actions like normal people do. And so I liked that. I love her. I love him. I just want them to be happy. Well, they're not going to be happy if the post-credits scenes have anything to do about that, but we'll save that discussion for a little oh, bit later. Yes. We need to talk about those. But yeah, well, we haven't really gotten to 
like literally one of the other big players in this movie. Okay, yet. I, hold on. Steve. I want I want to talk about MJ first. I, I had like two words to add. Okay. Um, Tell me about- and now I can't remember what they were. <laughs> which <laughs> well, is great. This, this is this is inconvenient. I think okay. At first, I was just kind of like. Uh, okay, I, I no, now I remember what I was going to say. The only other Spider-Man movie I've seen, other than Homecoming, like, I saw Homecoming. But I saw The Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. Was that the guy? Yeah. Like, the one that came out, the, the one that was right before Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Yeah, that was Andrew Garfield. Okay, yeah, so I saw that one, and, like, it was okay. I didn't really care for Spider-Man. Like, I didn't care for the superhero movies that much at the time. But I just remember, like, looking back, it was the the romantic angle in that film felt very forced. Oh, it was the worst. It, I it just, it felt convenient. And this did not feel convenient. It, okay, in that movie, in The Amazing Spider-Man, um, it felt very Hollywood. Yes. And this felt more like normal and real. Yeah. I appreciated that. My other thing was... um. What's the line when they go to the opera and Peter's just like, oh, you look nice or you look pretty or something. And MJ replies, and therefore I have value. Like, first of all, that line was really funny to me because then Peter just like freaks out. And he's like, oh, no, no, I didn't mean it like that. And she just laughs and she's like, I was joking. I know that's what you like. I know what you meant. I just wanted to make you feel uncomfortable. Like that, that, that was really funny yeah. to me. I liked that scene a lot. And that made me like yeah, her a lot more. Like- Not that I didn't before, just like. I really liked her a lot after that. And then she was like, you look pretty too. And I was just mm-hmm. like, ah. Yeah, I like that that was turned to a joke though. Because if she just would have been like, well, therefore I have value, I would have gotten a little bit ticked. So I was just kind of like, he's complimenting you. The fact mm-hmm. that she was just kind of joking and messing with him, I liked that. But it was an in-character joke for her to make. Like, okay, not not to get into too much crazy deep stuff, but like her character is very, for lack of a better term, very like a feminist character. But it does so in a way that isn't stereotypical and isn't in your face. And I know that sounds really bad. Um, it's not blatant. And it's not, it doesn't feel like catering. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's why, that's why I didn't mind it is because it was like a kind of joke for her to make. And I like that they made it a joke. What I was saying is that if it hadn't been a joke and if she had like actually gotten offended by that, I would have been annoyed. But mm-hmm. since it was a joke and it was in character for her and it was cute, and then she tells him, you look pretty too, and it was awkward and adorable, I absolutely loved it as well. I thought it was a cute scene. But yeah, anyway, you <laughs> wanted to talk about Mysterio. Yeah, we haven't even gotten, like, we mentioned him, but we haven't even gotten to one of the big players, Mysterio. So, man, there's so much to say about Jake Gyllenhaal. He's so good as Mysterio, and I love it so much. So, like, we meet Mysterio, and he's this hero that has, you know, saved the day. He's figuring out the elementals, and he's beating them down, and he's one of the first people we even see in the movie. We see Maria, Hill, and Fury, and then the rock elemental, and Mysterio, or Quentin Beck, as his name is. And it's just like, there he is! And... Then later we meet him, and he's supposedly this great superhero from another dimension. He's nice. I oh, I love him. And then suddenly he's a bad guy, but he like transitions so well, like Jake Gyllenhaal. 
makes a good villain, I think. Like, there's a, a BBC series that I like, well, sort of like, called Merlin, which is about, of course, the legend of Merlin and um, the different characters that played in that mythology. And the one character is Morgana, played by Katie McGrath. And in the beginning of, like, first or second season, she's sweet, she's good, and then she ends up becoming a villain. But my problem with that is that Katie McGrath, I think, does a great job as the sweet and kind Morgana, but then it's like they never casted her in mind to play someone evil since she tries to do it, and it's just weird. I'm like, you're not doing great, but like with Jake Gyllenhaal, he transitions perfectly. Like, I totally believe he's a great, nice guy, and then I totally believe that he's a terrible villain, and I love it so much, and I could just gush about him forever, honestly. I think going into this movie, I knew that Mysterio was going to be a bad guy. Like, I have no knowledge of Spider-Man outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and that one movie I saw with Andrew Garfield. Um, But I just, watching the trailers, like, they show all these, like, the elementals, as they call them in the movie, but I just see, like, there's these big monsters, and I'm like, there's no way that's the actual antagonist of the film. Because especially in recent Marvel films, their antagonists are very even if they're aliens, they're very human antagonists, more or less. So I was like, if they're just going to pick like these faceless monsters, there's someone behind the curtain here. And the only other someone behind the curtain I could see was Mysterio. And so I going into the movie, I was like, he's probably going to be a bad dude. Maybe not like the worst, but definitely up there. And then like I'm watching the first couple scenes and like with him and Peter and like he's being so nice to Peter and I'm like, Maybe I was wrong about you, but I'm still, like, a little bit suspicious. And then the scene in the bar, like, right after Peter leaves and he just breaks character, I was like, ah, there it is. I was right all along. I felt very proud of myself, even though I don't know if maybe I'm just, I've seen too many movies or read too many books to know, like, this is definitely the bad guy. Like, your plot twist isn't surprising to me. Or if Marvel just, like, lofted an easy one to me. I don't know, but... I don't know. With me, I did know in a way, but the reason is because, especially whenever like Marvel movies come out, I love watching people dissect the trailers or talk about, you know, origins in the comics. And I was watching Grace Randolph from Beyond the Trailer, and I watched her coverage over the different trailers, and she talked about how in the comics Mysterio was classically a villain, and she talked about how he was like usually was actually like a disgruntled actor in um the comics and so that's why he's so good at like illusion tech is because he's a failed actor who knows special effects and so he's been able to make things look like they're happening but they're not so i went into the movie knowing that mysterio was class is like always been a villain and so i figured one of two things either Marvel is pulling the rug out from underneath us and is like, yeah, you think he's a villain, but we decided we wanted to repurpose him mm-hmm. or he's going to end up being a villain. And obviously he did end up being a villain, but for me, it didn't spoil it to know that. I mean, I'm sure it would have been like, whoa, if I hadn't known anything about Mysterio, but to the best of my knowledge, Mysterio is actually pretty well known in Spider-Man lore, so I feel like a lot of people would have known him anyway. But yeah. for me, it wasn't spoiled. It was more just like, oh, I suspected it and I was right. So it was more yeah. like this moment of triumph of like, kind of like how you were saying, like kind of like suspecting him and then being like, oh, you didn't fool mm-hmm. me. <laughs> yeah. A couple weeks 
Okay, so I listen to podcasts a lot during the summer. I basically go the entire school year and never listen to podcasts because I'm so busy. And then I go to work and I'm sitting at my desk for four hours doing nothing except filing contracts and reading old files. Um, and so that gives me a lot of time to catch up on podcasts. So I was actually listening to, um, it was way back when the Spider-Man trailer came out after Endgame. Yeah. So the first one that really introduced like the characters and the story and stuff. Because it had all, like, the endgame spoilers in it. And I remember I was listening to the inner tube and the two hosts were talking about it. And I think, who mentioned it? I think it was Kevin mentioned, like, he, he'd read some um, he'd read some Marvel comics. And he was like, oh, yeah, in the comics, Mysterio is, like, this special effects artist and he's a villain and stuff. So, like, I, I had that in mind as I was watching this movie. And I was kind of curious to see, like, how were they going to make that relevant to the overall story of Spider-Man and of this movie. Cause like, I don't know. I was just, I was very pleased with how they pulled it off. Like how like, okay, he didn't work in movies per se, but they incorporated that part of his character into the, into his methods for world destruction or whatever you want to call it. And they, I lost my train of thought. It left the station. <laughs> Is that what yeah, you were saying? Did you find it again? Nope. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, because like with him, I think it's interesting how they did it because they hearkened back to Civil War and the barf tech or like the binaural augmented something. I don't know why I tried to up. remember the actual thing for it because I don't. And so we find out that was actually Quentin Beck's design, his invention, but that Tony not only took it for himself in a way and said, oh, look, I made this, but then didn't use it the way that Beck intended, which I think therapy would be a really good reason to use it, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't seem like it was the way Beck intended, and then just kind of to add salt to the wound, Tony names it, you know, kind of a joke name, Barf, and Beck is offended and is kind of like, dude, that's my life's work, and then Mm -hmm. tries to stick up to Tony, my, I mean, I say stand up to Tony, but I honestly don't know how he approached it. He, yeah. It might not have been that noble. It might have just been him throwing a fit because you named it this or whatever. But mm-hmm. Tony is like, okay, and fires him. Yeah. I mean, we don't, oh. again, we don't know. Maybe there was more to it that Tony fired him, especially since Quentin says that he called him unstable. So I wonder if it wasn't so much that it was uncalled for, but that maybe... Quentin displayed that same sort of like just snapping like he does with um, his crew actually where like he gets mad in a split second he has like all the drones guns pointed on them and it's just mm-hmm. like you want to go yeah. and which I thought was actually really interesting because you know that I'm not one for villains or antagonists to be considered you know mentally ill or insane or something but I liked with him because it didn't feel that way and they obviously of course didn't say oh he has a mental illness but it was more just the fact of that this is someone who will turn on you in a split second and you don't know why or what he's going to do mm-hmm. and I liked that unpredictability in him I also liked because I feel like he wasn't like I really liked him and I you know I guess I'm sad that he got fired or whatever um, that he felt jilted, but on the other hand, I didn't feel he was a super sympathetic villain, which I'm oh, I thought he was a- very sympathetic. Oh, 
Well, I guess I felt like go, no. Go ahead, and then I'll 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 shoot you down after you're done. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. So it wasn't that. It's hard to explain. Like I was okay with him not being in some ways as complex as some of their villains, which I actually think he was really complex and great. And I loved his motivations. I loved his whole thing about how people will only listen to heroes. Now they'll only listen to you if you're special in a way that doesn't include intelligence. So I'm going to make myself seem special, but I liked that his motivation, I guess was a tiny bit more simple than some because we did just come off of infinity war and Endgame with Thanos being such a complex character who's doing terrible things but sees himself as the hero and sees it as like his divine duty to bring order to the universe but in our eyes he's a villain and so it was kind of refreshing to get back to maybe more of like a comic booky thing where it was the villain with simpler motivations in some ways so like mm-hmm. i didn't think that he sympathetic like i did i like i said i love jake gyllenhaal i love mysterio so much but i didn't think he was as i don't know maybe out there some of their villains and it was kind of nice kind of like you said about having more of that grounded normal story instead of being you know off in space with like guardians of the galaxy so i think mysterio is actually a not sympathetic in the way that you would think of okay Homecoming and Far From Home both have villains who are very, like, they're people you might know, basically. Like, in, I haven't seen Homecoming in ages, but in Homecoming, you've got this guy who's, like, really ticked off because basically the government was like, you can't do this. And S.H.I.E.L.D. basically made him lose some of his job. Like, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. basically came in and took his work from him. And, like, I, I understand why S.H.I.E.L.D. did that, whatever, fine. But, I, this guy is jilted because of the government. And, like, I can understand that because I get mad because of the government plenty of times. But then, like, in the case with this movie, I don't know about you, but if I made something... By the way, the acronym BARF is Binarily Augmented Retroframing. If I made something like that and then some pretentious billionaire did it in a presentation as, like, a one-off magic trick... And basically was like, oh yeah, like, we called it barf. Like, if that was my life's work, I would be so mad. Like, not even so much in the fact that, like, oh, you named it this other thing, but, like, that basically you just treated something that I worked so hard on as, like, a throwaway trick. Like, you devalued the work that I put into it, and that would bother me a lot. So, like, in that case, I can understand why Mysterio is ticked off. Like, I, 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 I understand this. And then, like... Like, I would hate to work at Stark Industries because, like, they're always like, you can't do as good as Tony Stark. You, like, you're not as good as Tony Stark. And I'm like, so what? You know, like, I don't know. Just that that would bother me so much so I can understand why all these, like, ex-employees are really bothered and want to do something. Now, why that something has to involve all of this destruction and death and all that fun stuff, I disagree with that. But I can understand where they're coming. I can understand where they're coming from. So... Yeah. Yeah, you you actually made a really good point though. I didn't even really think about that. This two Spider-Man movies we have so far in the MCU really do take normal everyday characters kind of take the little guy and how the events of the larger MCU have affected them. Cuz yes. we do have that in some other things like with Civil War we have Zemo whose only motivation is that because of the Avengers, in his mind, his family was killed. 
even somewhat similar for Wanda and Pietro when they acted as antagonists because their parents were killed by a Stark bomb. But I think even more so because, as you mentioned Vulture, I was like, oh, well, yeah, Vulture's just a little guy that's trying to do his job. And then Tony Stark's, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. team-up thing comes in, takes his job, and he's just trying to provide for his family. And then you have uh, Mysterio, you have Quentin, who, again, was just a little guy under Stark who was doing some really cool things, but was cut off, whose job was taken away, in an essence, uh, because Tony kind of took his technology and then to be fired him, so it literally was taken away at that point. And so you have these people that are being affected by the existence of the MCU, and then, right. like, Peter having to deal with that, having to mm-hmm. deal with... And I, I got, yeah, I, you know, now that I think about it, I really, really like that, because then there's more consequences for the Avengers actions. Even if, like, yes. Steve or, you know, Wanda or whoever don't know this is happening, it's still happening, and we still get to see someone having to deal with the fallout. And I like mm-hmm. that. Kind of like how even how Civil War had the Scovia Accords. Hey, y'all need to answer for all the damage you've been doing and all the lives that right. we believe you cost. Right. So pay up, something's going to happen. And I like that because yeah. I think it's good to recognize that it's a chain reaction that other things are going to happen. Yeah, I think the thing that I like the most about the Spider-Man movies, and I think what makes them some of my favorite MCU films, are that they're very normal. And especially after, like, like especially after Infinity War and Endgame, which were just so... Trippy. <laughs> surreal and magical and I know it's not magic but like magical as in like not real not realism and so just watching those movies not that they're bad movies and not that I didn't enjoy them it's just like there's a point where I'm like okay you're asking me to suspend a little bit too much disbelief and I like that the Spider-Man movies have kind of brought things back to earth so to speak and like shown like this is how real people deal with these things and that's kind of what I like about Civil War, too. It's very real world and its consequences. And it's not like this magical adventure up in space or whatever. Not that magical adventures up in space are bad things inherently. It's just the MCU has progressed to such a point where it's progressed to such a point where stuff is just like really complicated. Like this whole thing with the time travel and Endgame, like that was just so much. And I was like, OK, you're doing a lot here. I'm going to buy into it for right now. And for their credit, to their credit, it worked out really well for them. But I like seeing normal superhero movies, which is almost sometimes why I like the earlier Marvel movies better sometimes. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I think you need a balance of both of them. Because, like, I love, like, Infinity War and all those. But it's nice to have those, have these more down-to-earth ones. And, of course, it also depends on your preference. I think that's a huge reason, though, why I love Captain America the Winter Soldier so much, which, for anyone out there, here is my official declaration. Captain America the Winter Soldier is my favorite Marvel movie, and, you know, the most I've seen every single movie except for The Incredible Hulk, because that's not canon and I don't accept it. Um, And I haven't seen, like, the tail end of Iron Man 3. But other than that, I've seen every single Marvel movie, and... I don't care what anyone says, Winter Soldier is still my number one. I love it so much. But I think a reason I like it is because the Russos even even described it as a political thriller. 
Yeah. And it is, it's so kind of, not really political, I guess, but it is kind of political. It is political. You know, kind of, it's very political. It's a very political argument, and it's very dark, which I love. I love just kind of the darkness and the grittiness of it. And there's so many, and it's not, it isn't, you know, like this, sure, it's like a fantastic movie, because all these crazy things happen with helicarriers, and oh my goodness, what's happening? But it still is very grounded in what happens when a government entity you trust is corrupt. Right. What do you do? How do you trust Wait, people? the government is corrupt? This is news to me. And watching Steve, who was the best character to put in that situation, because he did trust the government so much. He is like the face him. of the government, or at least he yeah. was when he was fighting in World War II. And like him dealing with that and deciding where he stands, that also puts the audience in a really interesting position because then you also have to decide kind of what do you believe? Do you believe that Steve is right or was Fury correct that not everyone should hold all the secrets because then they can't tell them all because some of the, the sides have good points. Sort of similar to Civil War, which the Russo's mm-hmm. also directed. Also, yes. long story short, Anthony and Joe Russo are my favorite Marvel directors, and I love them so much. Though I love mm-hmm. Taika with TV is great. Also, I'm getting so off track because I started talking about Winter Soldier. No, um, okay. Um, actually, love- real quick, since you mentioned it and we're already off topic, I keep seeing the trailers. I think there was one before Endgame, and there was one before Far From Home. Is it, what is it like? It's the one about New York, and Black Panther is in it, and he's a cop. Do you know what I'm talking about? You have no idea what I'm talking about. Oh, 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 the Russos. Uh, there's some movie, I think it's called 21 Bridges. Is it 21 Bridges? I couldn't remember the number, but I just know Bridges is in it. I don't think oh, I yeah. saw... 21 Bridges. Yeah, I don't think I saw the trailers for that, but I just actually read an article, I think this morning, that was talking about some of the Russos' next movies like they mentioned that one and they mentioned the Chadwick Boseman was in it so literally yeah. the only Chadwick like, Boseman re-time. plays like the lead character I'm pretty sure I love Chadwick Boseman let's see when does it come out oh it comes out in September that's actually okay I don't like a lot of mo- like some usually when I go to movies I'm sitting in the theater and I'm watching all these trailers roll by and I'm just like all of these movies look like hot garbage yeah. but then I saw this one and I was like I might actually be interested in seeing this movie because yeah, it, like it looks it. good. And, like, I, I know that I like the Russo's movies. And I appreciate Chadwick Boseman as an actor. So, like, I might give it a shot. But that's also, oh. like, midway through the beginning of the semester. So, maybe not. It's always so trippy for me whenever I see Chadwick Boseman or anything else. Or, like, I watch interviews with him. Because he suddenly is, like, very American and not Wakanda. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, go back into the accent. I can't deal with it. I like him with his Wakandan accent or like any mm-hmm. sort of African accent. It's just, oh, I love it. And then he just doesn't have it anymore. And I'm just like, dang it, Chadwick. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you going to be like this? Okay. Also, well, we've still got two post-credit scenes to talk about. Let's try to run through a few other elements or characters quickly so we can hopefully get to the extra credit scenes, the end credit scenes. Extra credit um, scenes. I mean, that's what we call them. You know you, were high- you know you were an overachiever in high school when... I was. <laughs> hey, I was a straight A student, except for oh, one B. Okay, period, you but... know what we need to talk about? We need to talk about Aunt May and um, Happy, because I actually really liked that subplot. I thought it was cute. I liked that. 
I feel a little bad at the end for Happy there. She's like, yeah, it was a summer fling. I'm like, the Happy's it's really like, nice. But I like him. Take he cares about her son. <laughs> There's a term um, for that that the millennials use or the, the Gen Z kids use. We call it DTR, defining the relationship. So I'm told that's what people keep telling me. They did not have one of those. They did not have a moment. I like that because I thought it was cute. Uh, like in the beginning, whatever. Um, Peter is confused how they bring it up throughout <laughs> the the movie. Like how when everyone's telling, you know, truths about them in the uh, museum, and then Happy's just like, "I'm dating Spider Man's aunt," and everyone just kind of looks at him and is like, "What?" And they don't even know that it's Peter's aunt. But still, I was gonna say so there is funny. no context for this. I know. Okay, <laughs> you have to you have to remember MJ and Ned both understand. That he means Aunt May, right? They mean Peter's True, aunt. I guess they know. But then you have, what's her face? Flash. And, well, I know Flash and the other girl, right? Betty. Yeah, Betty. And they're both just like, wait, what? <laughs> I don't know who's more confused. But that was... Betty. Usually I'm like, okay, these kind of the jokes are really cheesy. Like where everyone's like confessing and they're confessing really weird things. But that was really funny. <laughs> I yeah, really and I like that. into the joke of it. Like, mm-hmm. they kind of, yeah, it's like, I loved it. And then, of course, I mean, you have Happy, who is, again, I think, starting to act like a father figure, just like Tony did. And mm-hmm. so, you, even cuter, because you're just like, I want you to be, well, I guess you'd be his step-uncle, not his stepfather, but I want you to be Peter's father, essentially. Like, especially since I am, even though I think Tony had a good end, I am sad that we don't get to see his and Peter's relationship mm. more because I think that was really good. So I'm like, I will accept John Favreau's happy. I will accept that with all my heart. Give me yes. more John Favreau's happy. I love it. So I really hope that Aunt May doesn't like friend zone him if they do end up getting to like something that'd be so cute. I mean, I, really I, I think he would still be involved in Peter's life regardless of his relationship to May. Yeah, but I just think it'd be cute though. Okay. <laughs> like, oh, like, I don't know. I just think it's really cute. I mean, they seem mm-hmm. to have good chemistry in the few scenes that he and Aunt May interacted. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that. I think that's cool. I, I want to see that happen. So mm-hmm. I love Happy. I have absolutely no complaints about Happy ever. <laughs> he is just the best. And, uh, and then, well, speaking of Happy, I have to say that I love the part in the jet or the plane or whatever when Peter started to make his suit Yes, that was a good scene. Like the holographic, the holographic, holographic. holographic. (laughs) The holographic. holographic. Uh, The holographic, uh, not a blaster, but the web shooter gauntlet thing. Yeah. He he looks like Tony in that moment. Not like Mm -hmm. looks like, like he moves and like stops in a similar position to how Tony did in like Iron Man 1 and like the look on Happy's face. It broke me. I loved it, and it was so sweet. Also, I hope that people... Well, I got something to say about that. I think sometimes we forget that um, that Peter Parker is a really smart kid. And, like, I, I think... Okay, because, like, he's the superhero and stuff, and, like, he's smart because he's, like, he's Peter. But I think sometimes we forget that he's, like, just that kind of person. And I think that scene is one of those where we get to see, like, he's putting the pieces together in his head, like figuring out what he needs 
or like what problems he'll need to solve, like what he'll need to do in order for this plan to succeed and finding the right tools to succeed in that mission. And I, I can just like see the wheels turning instead, similar to like what you were saying, like there's definitely a parallel between him and like a younger Tony Stark there, like putting the pieces together, figuring out what needs, what tools are needed to accomplish the task at hand. And that, so I think sometimes we forget that they're, they are more similar than sometimes they let on, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, what I was hoping, though, too, about that scene, on, like, a lighter note in a way, is I also saw this, and it's great. I hope people can shut up now about, oh, Peter didn't make his original suit like he did in the comics, because people complained about how there was too much tech in, to- in um, the suit from Tony, and, you know, why didn't Peter make his own suit? Because... Tony shouldn't have made it in, in you know, in this comic, Spider-Man's also so, always so smart, and he makes his own suit. And so I was like, okay, you, look, he's making his own suit. Now be quiet. So that was a little thing that yeah. I thought of, too. Like, Happy starts playing the music, and I forget what band um, Peter references, but he goes like, yeah, I love this band. And I'm just like, do you really? <laughs> I yeah. Just, not, not that I'm suspicious and not that I care. I was just like, okay, child. <laughs> I think the joke, if I remember correctly, is the song is by ACDC, but he says, I love Led Zeppelin, and it's just like, okay. nope, wrong thing. Maybe. I'm going to try to find try. out now, because now I feel like a bad fan in like all different ways. I'm still on Chadwick Boseman's um, IMDb page. That's not what I wanted. <laughs> Um, I um, okay, so I didn't actually yeah. know, like, I didn't recognize, I, like, I recognized the song, but I didn't know who it was, so I didn't get the joke, but I think I've seen, like, people, like, make memes, the like, joke mm. about it, say about, you know, he's just like, oh, I love, you know, ACDC plays, he's, oh, I love Let's Up, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, that makes sense, and I guess he just, he's trying to be cool, and he's a nerd, and I love it. Oh, Bam, okay, yes, it? It, yeah, you're right. The song that Happy plays while Peter is designing his new suit is Back in Black by ACDC. That's right. Okay. Because he said Led Zeppelin, and I was like, wait a second. And it was the same song that played during the opening of the first Iron Man film. Okay. Which is a movie I haven't seen in forever. Hilariously, oh, Peter mistakes the band to be Led Zeppelin, which is apparently funny because Immigrant Song, which is by Led Zeppelin, was the one in Ragnarok that they played like 18 times. Not oh, that I, I have anything that. against Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. Just like... You should really only put a song in your movie once. It's yeah, just it kind of my perfect. rule of thumb, but whatever. Yeah. No, I love it in Ragnarok. We should do a review about Ragnarok then and go back and review some of the older ones. So I can okay. also rant. I love the use of Immigrant Song in Ragnarok. And I actually agree. Someone put with Infinity War whenever uh, Thor comes down to the Battle of Wakanda. And you know, everyone's like, yes! And then he comes, he's like, bring me Thanos! Which is, like, my favorite thing, and I love Thor so much. Someone had, like, a video of what if Immigrant Song played as, like, his theme instead of, like, oh. the that. And it was so great, and I loved it, and I wish they would have done that, because I would have, mm-hmm. I would have really liked that. I guess maybe it would have taken some of the drama out of it, but I really, really liked it. I'll have to, like, send you that video. It probably okay. won't be hard. I've actually, I just remembered when you mentioned that, I saw um, what if um, what if Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse had an anime opening, and I just really want to send that to you, even though I know you don't really care for anime. I think it would be, I think you would find it funny. Uh, I, well, send it to me. I'll send you that other one, and you can send me that. So what did you think? Uh, I guess we probably should talk about Edith. Um, Edith, oh yeah. As kind of like a plot point. Not really even per se, as like you know, an AI because she didn't really have personality like Jarvis or anything did. Mm-hmm. But 
she definitely, she or like the whole system itself was definitely a big part. First of all, I loved that whole thing that her name stands for, Even Dead, I'm the Hero. Because then you're sort of like, dang it, Tony. (laughs) Why are you like this? Um, The other thing was like the sunglasses are totally Tony Stark sunglasses, even though he designed them for Peter, who would never wear anything that pretentious looking. I just designed them for Peter though because they're the glasses that he's wearing in um Infinity War at the beginning, I believe. And I are think Are you that, sure? Yeah. I let me go look. I will look, but I'm pretty sure that they're the same glasses um that he's wearing in Infinity War. And so, so I think they were always his. But no, he, he has did, other glasses like, like them. I don't think they're the same ones. I think they are because I think then that he had transferred control over to Peter, just like how Peter does to Quentin later on, where then it, you know, immediately is like, okay, hello, Quentin, let's be best friends. Uh, let me look, Tony, New Stark, Infinity War. Oh no, hold on, hold on. Marvel Cinematic Universe Wiki, so thank you guys for doing that. Also, all of these things, when I look up things that have Spider-Man Far From Home, there's like just a gif of Coulson saying, oh, spoiler alert. I think it's from Agent yeah. Shield, which I haven't watched, but anyway. Apparently, when they first bring in Edith, Peter asks, so he made you for me, and Edith is like, no, but you have access to all of Tony's protocols. That's the quote that they have on their wiki page, so if that's yeah, to be trusted. I'm gonna, I am going to send you, while we're doing this, a picture of Tony in the glasses and a picture of Peter. You also have to remember, I think Peter's, Peter's glasses are, like, bluish, and I, I think, think Tony's are red. This is not an important point at all. I want to prove myself, so I don't care if it's not important. Already, it's loading. Load, load, load. Next, let me open someone's story. I don't want that. I don't want to see your story. Awkward. Because I see, I think we see them more as blue then, because um, because like whenever Edith is working, it kind of turns blue, like the AI. I don't know. I think I, I'm saying. I I concede you might be right. I don't know. I'm just going back Technically- and forth. Technically, they could be two different sets of glasses. But they look so similar. I just don't know why they would do the exact same thing if they weren't meant to be. I can see that they are very similar, and they are probably the same thing. But there is always a possibility that they are not the same thing. There is, In a sense, until proven guilty, Kiara. That I think it's more no beautiful, though, if they are. But, okay, so here's something that I you don't really know. I, I feel like it's the basis of a theory. But I'm not sure, or like that it's important, but I'm not sure. Whenever I went to Spider-Man Far From Home the second time, I took like a little notebook and I was taking some notes, mainly because I was writing down some of like license plates. I think some of them are like Easter eggs referencing comics, mm-hmm. comic issues. So I was doing that. But, and then, but then I noted, I wanted to write down the note that Tony gives to Peter or has for Peter. And, um... I was trying to think, I was like, well, well, he doesn't address it to Peter, so how do we know it's for Peter? But I don't think that's the issue. What he says is, for the next Tony Stark, I trust you, say Edith, and then T.S. But I really want to see it at least one more time in, well, maybe not in theaters, but like next time I watch it, I want to pay attention because the way that Peter takes that message is, you're the next Iron Man, you know, go, you're going to take over my place. And I might be wrong, but I think whenever, whenever he's talking to Quentin in the bar and then he is like muttering what Tony 
wrote to him, I think he might say to the next Iron Man I choose you, he might say Tony Stark, but either way, he seems to be taking it as to the next Iron Man. So in his mind, well, Quentin's a great Iron Man, but I find it interesting that Tony doesn't specify Iron Man. He says to the next Tony Stark. And so I'm wondering if like his meaning is different. Like he doesn't mean for Peter to become the next Iron Man or to become like him, but he means for him to become to nourish like his intelligence or his mm-hmm. inventions and stuff. And I just thought that was interesting because he doesn't say Iron Man and he does just say to the next Tony Stark and you would think that if he meant the person who's going to become Iron Man next and he would say that so I don't know like that's just something that I don't know I feel like if I was a better theorist like I just want to send it to like Seamus Gorman and the Super Carlin Brothers and be like make a theory on this there's something here I don't know what it is but like Mm -hmm. that's something that I just wonder what that could be if it means anything that he specified Tony Stark and not Iron Man I'm sure it means something, but, you know, that's just a theory. A movie theory. I don't even watch film theory, by the way. Wow. Are there other things in the movie that we want to talk about before we um, before we move on to the end credit scenes or post credit scenes, whatever? Oh, there's so much stuff. Okay, so a quick thing, though, that I want to bring up is I'm really interested in Flash and wondering if there's some bigger story, whether he's going to be a villain or there's, you know, going to be something happening with him i just wonder if there is because three times in the movie they reference him not getting attention or like affection from his parents but i just wonder because why are they putting emphasis on that if it's not going to be important i mean sure maybe they're giving him you know, a backstory and a reason for acting the way he does. But I just wonder, because, like, um, the first time is Edith, whenever she's looking, you know, Peter's looking through glasses all around the bus. She's showing him, like, different text messages. Yeah, yeah. And, like, in the one corner, you can see that Flash is saying, like, typing, um, like... He's asking for more money, isn't he? What is he? Is he asking for more money, or is that a different character? That's a that's a different I don't know who that is. That's some okay. other one of the other kids. No, he's actually saying, um, I haven't heard from you, mother and father. Or like mother and father, I haven't heard from you in a few days. Because uh. that was one of the things I wrote down because I was like, oh. And then of course later on, you know, the whole we're telling the truth because we're about to die thing, he says that he only makes like all these videos so people will like him, which you know sounds like he just is starving for attention and so he's trying to get mm-hmm. it any way he can. And then, of course, the most blatant one is at the end of the movie when they're coming back. Arriving the back at the airport, yeah. Yeah, and he asks, like, the butler, whoever, some other couldn't make it, and he shakes his head and, like, just look on Flash's face. And I don't know. I, like I said, again, it could not be anything. I just wonder, and I wonder if there's anything to do with it. I think I heard somewhere that in the comics at one point, Flash became Venom. So I don't know if that's ever something they want to do, but I just wonder because it just seemed random because like that wasn't something that really came across in the first movie. So is there a reason to why we're suddenly painting him in this different light mm-hmm. other than just showing, you know, cause cause of action for his behavior? So I kind of hope they do something with it because I would kind of like to see that. I think it'd be interesting to see him you know, become, like, super bitter or something just because he's not getting the love that he needs. Um, Well, again, according to Marvel Cinematic Universe wiki, so shout out to the people who are running that. 
In the comics, Flash Thompson joined the United States Army and eventually became Agent Venom, member of both the Secret Avengers and the Guardians of the Galaxy, and later Agent Anti-Venom. I don't know what that means, but there's something. I was just going to say, like, I don't think it would make sense to cast him as a, um... I don't think it would make sense to cast him, to, like, turn him into a villain. Because, first of all, he clearly admires Spider-Man. Now, maybe that changes after, like, everyone finds out, oh, crap, Spider-Man is this kid named Peter Parker. Or maybe, like, something about that gets brushed under the rug. Who knows? But, eh, what was I saying? I, he he clearly admires Spider-Man so much, so I don't think he would ever become a villain for fear of crossing Spider-Man. Does that make sense? In some ways, but in some ways I still think it could happen because Harry Osborn, one of the Green Goblins, uh, even in The Amazing Spider-Man, which isn't a great representation, but The Amazing Spider-Man too, but even in the comics, if I remember correctly, a lot of him becoming a villain had to do with the fact that he like admired Spider-Man, but then Spider-Man didn't help him or mm. failed him one time or something. And so... You know, especially because I'm setting up Flash admiring Spider-Man so much, I could see it being that Peter, without meaning to, lets him down or somehow does something. And so then that, you know, obsession that was once not healthy, but good at least, in a po- was positive, is now all of a sudden turned into a much darker obsession of, you know, my idol or whatever betrayed me in his mind. I'm going to lash out. I could see him becoming a villain like that, so I don't think that means that he won't, but at the very least, even if it's not like a villain thing, but even if it's like him having more of like a redemption arc in a way, even like becoming whoever Agent Venom is and being like a hero, I actually would like to see that too. So either way, I just want him, I think, to have a bigger role and like for that to be, I don't know, like realized and them to do something with what they're setting up because I was like, I'm really curious. I'm a sucker for characters that just need, you know, they're just starving for attention and need more love. So, Mm -hmm. What else we got on the table? Do you have any specific thoughts on uh, the the elemental illusions themselves or anything about any of the fights? Not really. I, I didn't, they were just, you know, monsters to destroy things. Although, I gotta say, it was really the way that they were like, oh yeah, we're using these drones that both create the illusion and create the actual destruction that happens because of the illusion. Like, that was very smart to me, and I really like that. But that's, I don't know. It made sense without being overbearing. So yeah. I like that, I, but that's about all I have to say about that. Yeah, I don't really have too many thoughts on them either. I, there was a part of me that also I liked the whole illusion thing with Mysterio kind of wanted them to be real just because I thought it'd be kind of cool to have like these big elemental monsters like yeah. oh what about the fact that Marvel leaned so heavily into that whole shock value of oh my goodness there's a multiverse and then oh, in a way yeah. shot it down mm-hmm. by, by Mysterio being like oh yeah I totally lied about that yeah okay so when the trailers for this first came out, I was like, multiverse guys, really? I mean, it made sense given like the whole time travel thing in Endgame, but um, yeah, given the time travel and everything, like it made sense. I wasn't thrilled about it because I was just like, why? Why do you have to make this any more complicated than it needs to be? Now we've got interdimensional beings here. Like, come on. I just, I don't know. There, but there are also times that I really like multiverse type things like 
like the whole um like into the spider-verse i really liked the way that they pulled characters from other universes into that yeah. movie and made it work that movie was really good and then someone made the point that like even though into the spider-verse isn't technically mcu it would be interesting to see how they pull like those other spider-mans if they could do that with this multiverse thing in the mcu so i was like okay i'll bite and then they just kind of shot it down which yeah on one hand i feel like i got played and not in a good way like i i feel like i was tricked and i'm not happy about it because like they said one thing and then they're just like eh, nah we're not actually doing that but on the other hand i'm relieved because that's like one less thing i have to worry about now so yeah i i don't know i i'm very conflicted yeah i it bothered me more just because it felt like they were using it solely to get people talking which i guess is yeah creative and i mean probably a good marketing strategy but then i also wonder if part of the reason for introducing it is that even though mysterio is lying maybe in some ways he's telling the truth but he doesn't know it like he himself Mm -hmm. did not come from another dimension so he's you know he's right that he was lying about all that but maybe without knowing he's right they're actually are other dimensions so maybe in some ways they can be introducing the idea and then you know sort of shooting it down but one thing that i noticed again the second time around that i then did research on was that whenever quentin beck is you know, lying and telling peter you know this is this universe and i'm from this universe he says that well obviously this is our 616 which is considered the main comic timeline universe like that's okay whatever but then he says Oh, I'm trying to remember if he says he's from Earth 833 or 855. I think it's 833. So I was curious if that was an actual I'm alternate now. Earth. I was curious if that was an alternate Earth in um, Marvel Comics, and I Googled it, and it is an actual alternate dimension in Marvel Comics. There wasn't a lot on it. I was hoping that maybe like a version of Mysterio had come from that you know, thing, even if it's just like an Easter egg. Unfortunately... There wasn't any information with with Mysterio uh, attached to that, but Mm -hmm. there was... Did you find it? No, I'm still looking. Keep talking. I have have notes somewhere that I've written. I don't know if I have them nearby or not. He's from Earth 833. That's what it is. That's right, it was 833. Um, And so whenever I looked up 833, it was home to Spider UK, which is kind of irrelevant, but... An interesting thing about it is that Spider-UK escaped his dimension when his entire, like, planet was destroyed. And to the best of everyone's knowledge, he's the sole survivor. Which I thought was interesting that that was the dimension they chose because it kind of mirrors the story the Mysterio tells. Oh, well, the elementals destroyed my whole world. I'm the only survivor that's here. I'm going to help you now. But Spider-UK wasn't a villain. He was you know, mm-hmm. some hero or whatever. But I just thought it was yeah. interesting. I was like, huh, so I wonder if they chose it specifically, you know, to reference that as kind of like an Easter egg. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they referenced, I'm, I'm sure that was intentional because if we've learned anything that all the people making these movies are a bunch of huge nerds. Not that that's a bad thing. I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I'm just like, they're the kind of people who would definitely do something like that intentionally. 
I mean, maybe not too, because like, you know, when you're in high school and you're in your English class and people are just like, yeah, the author chose to make the curtains blue because he was depressed. And I'm like, no, they just wanted to make the curtains blue. I'm a writer. I know these things. So like, maybe they just picked a random number or did like an, like a random number generator on the internet or something. But I'm inclined to think that it was chosen for a reason because everything about these movies almost always seems intentional. Yeah, and it's just like a fun... And, like, since there are so many different universes, just like it would land on that one or something, it's just, just seems yeah. so much sense. So to kind of wrap up a little bit um, with a few last Mysterio things, uh, first, do you think Mysterio is actually dead? Um, remind, okay, I feel like I need to be reminded of what happens in the, is it the first end credit scene where there's the video? Yes. Okay. I'm trying to, I'm, I really can't remember the end of the movie. That's going to bother me. I can kind of, you know, recap. Yeah, can, can you recap it for me? Okay, so basically in the end fight, when um, Peter is fighting Mysterio, he's fighting the drones that are in front of Mysterio, and once he finally, he, like, turns one of the drones on Mysterio, I mean, no, he doesn't, Mysterio um, orders the drones to fire, and Edith is like, but sir, you're basically in the way you're probably gonna get hit too honestly kind of like how thanos is like hey nuke them all and Corius clave is just like but why sir <laughs> we have our own mm-hmm. troops here and he's like i don't care kind of like that except not because uh, mysterio is different but um Myster- so mysterio tells him to fire and then he says no i don't care override it they all fire and i think and somehow he gets caught in the crossfire and gets hit and then he's down on the ground, and once, and you know, Peter's already destroyed all the drones, and comes over right. to him, and is like, "Yo, dude, you messed up." And then Mysterio tells him that, like, that, like, he, I don't know, he says something about like how, like, I'm proud, not like I'm proud of you, but like Tony would have been proud of you. And then he says he takes off the Edith glasses, starts handing them to Peter, and says, "You should have these. You really deserve these." And then, and then you hear a gunshot when a right. Peter then like um like throws out his hand behind him and you hear a gunshot and you look over and the dying mysterio was an illusion and mysterio was right behind him about to like shoot him and right. oh i i just want to say though real quick i love that so much that it's like both times just like oh chills like it was so intense and i love mm-hmm. that that, that then, was that was good yeah and i think i'm not entirely sure but i think peter somehow like turned the gun so it actually does hit mysterio then and Mysterio falls down, and then just as he's dying, he tells you know Peter about they'll only listen if you're here, whatever they'll believe anything. Mm-hmm. And then the thing is, is that then Peter asks Edith, "Is this an is this another illusion? Is this real?" And she says, "All illusions are powered down." And I just wonder because he specifically asks, "Is this real?" And all she says is, "All illusions are powered down." But does that truly mean that Mysterio himself? couldn't didn't have something on him that can make another illusion then again why would he do two of them at the same time unless i don't know so i i don't yeah. i don't say i don't want him to be dead because i really want him to come back i think he would provide a lot of really interesting storylines going forward i really really like jake jonehaw's performance so i don't want him to i be think dead. he's dead but oh that's just me i'm i'm also just really tired of characters coming back from the dead like stay dead I'm tired. Like, okay, it was cool the first, like, 14 times, but now we're done. But I'm also just a cold-hearted jerk. So, yeah, I I think he... I I feel like he's dead. But being dead physically 
doesn't necessarily mean not having an impact on the events of the series, as we've seen with Iron Man, of course, but also at the end of, what is it? Is it the mid credit scene or whatever, um, where they, all of that is the video footage of like, or the altered footage of Spider-Man threatening Mysterio and, and killing him, I think was in the video, whatever it was, all of that, you know, that's all still Quentin's doing. I mean, he didn't, he wasn't physically there to do it, but he plotted that in order to sabotage Spider-Man after his death. Yeah. The one thing that, like, why I want, would like to see him back to is that in the comics, the best of my knowledge, yes, there were times that, like, villains died and would come back, but there also were a lot of times where villains would be defeated, but then, like, break out of jail or something and cause havoc again. And, like, they would be recurring villains doing things. And we haven't really had that in the MCU because they pretty much killed off every single one of their villains. Except for, I would say the only one we've really had that with would be Loki. And even then, he's kind of gotten his redemption arc, which is great. I love Loki. Loki is dead. And then you have, I mean, Thanos, but he doesn't quite count, in my opinion, because it's only, you know, two movies that are technically... Thanos doesn't really count. He was like the past Thanos or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it'd be nice to like go that route and have a few villains that are, you know, like coming back. Or, and then you're also able to build up more of a roster of villains too. Because like in the comics, there were times where like villains would team up together, like the Sinister Six, which was like mm-hmm. Spider Man teaming up against him. Or you like just have them working together or doing different things. And if you yeah. keep killing off every single one you create, you can't go back to that pool and use them again, which right. you don't want to keep doing the same thing. We do have um, Michael Keaton as the Vulture still around, so maybe he'll come back because they have like the end credits scene with him and stuff in Homecoming. So hopefully, like maybe he'll come back. I'm just like I said, I and I think Mysterio is one of is like mm-hmm. a really good one that should be recurring because I really like how they did him. But, but if you're bringing back recurring, okay. I like shows that have recurring antagonists. I appreciate that. I actually, you know, that's one of my favorite things, like, to see, like, oh, this guy's back, and now it's even worse. But the thing with that, I find, is you never truly defeat them the first time. Like, it's a temporary piece. It's a temporary defeat. But it's not like, oh, you arrested them, and now they've broken out of jail. Or, oh, you thought they were dead, but they actually weren't dead. I don't like that because it feels like a cop-out to give a fake resolution to something. Whereas you can resolve a story without having a full defeat of the villain. And so, like, I feel like you pretty much, you pretty well defeated Quentin Beck here. So to have him come back from the dead or have him not actually be dead would feel like a cop-out to me. Yeah, I guess for me, I'm going back, though, to like those comic things where, like, it is so common them to put like i think even though it's technically dc like batman and joker and the whole things that they're like ultimate enemies and joker and it's like this eternal game of cat and mouse putting the joker in you know arkham asylum joker getting Mm -hmm. out doing all these things but i'm sure obviously you can't keep doing that you know like they do with infinity with the comics because in movies it's gonna get old but yeah so i mean i understand though i would have liked it better if they would plan to bring quentin beck back if they had you know, defeated him more of not thinking they killed him, because that is a little bit of a cop-out, like, oh, I'm not dead, you thought I was, but more of a fact that maybe they stopped him 
from being able to complete his plan, but he escaped. Or maybe even he did get arrested, but, you know, he still has the scientists on the outside that can help him break out or something like that. But like I said, even though it would be a little bit of a, well, they said you were dead and now you're not. I still kind of want it just because I really like the character and the actor. But we'll see that. So that kind of actually brings us pretty neatly into the end credits. The mid credit scene you were talking about, you know, essentially we see Spider-Man and MJ in New York. And then so I think it's Times Square or just maybe like a billboard near. I don't know. They're out of time. place. There are screens everywhere in New York. So I don't think it's Times Square, but it's I've somewhere. I've been to New York, okay? Makes me sad, but I've never been there. Well, I've, I've been, been to New York twice and I disliked it both times. Oh, so. I really want to go. <laughs> and so there's like a screen and there's like this news report, which I don't know if you knew this. I have not seen the original Spider-Man to Tim McGuire, but I knew that J.K. Simmons was J. Jonah Jameson. So oh. for some reason, they decided to bring him back, even though there's nothing bridging those two series. They're like, I'll be like him. Let's yeah, bring why him back. Not? So everyone was excited. I knew, like, I knew, even though I wasn't one that had watched him and, like, knew to like him, I was kind of like, oh, cool, they're bringing him back. I'm sure people will be excited. And, yeah, everything I've seen has been, oh, my goodness, J. Jenna Jameson is back mm-hmm. and it's J.K. Simmons. So, like, that was kind of cool to see him because I did immediately recognize who he was because I've seen enough pictures of him as J. Jenna Jameson. Mm-hmm. So, basically, though, he now is more of a modernized instead of being a newspaper. It's, like, a news site or, like, a news blog, which I actually No, really that worked like. out really well. I was like, I feel like this is a spoof of someone in real life, but I don't know who it is. <laughs> I like that, though, because... It's just so much more modern. Like, it makes sense to update that because that yes. is the way that we're getting our news and stuff. And so the Daily Bugle now, instead of being, you know, just the newspaper, is the site or news video channel, whatever. Yeah, you said about the altered footage of Mysterio basically saying, you know, Spider-Man fatally wounded me. I'm going to die. And then whenever it twists, it, like, edits whenever Peter asked Edith, uh, like, get rid of all the drones and stuff, and then she's like, do you want to execute all operations or whatever? And he says, yes, execute them all. Which, a funny story, though, like, during that, during that part where he originally says, yes, execute them all, I even thought, that's kind of a weird way to phrase it. Like, I know that she says, execute all Yeah. I would have expected him to be like, yes, do it, or something. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yes, execute them all. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. But then Whenever it was kind of Whenever someone cool. rephrases, like, a response like that, like, no, I did not do that, or yes, do that, it either, sometimes it comes off as, like, it, it usually comes off as forced, and I usually think, like, A, someone's lying, or B, they're trying to put way too much emphasis on something. So, yeah. I don't know. that It just felt weird. I was like, I mean... But then I was like, okay, out of this whole, like, when I first saw that shot, I was like, okay, out of this whole movie, like, one badly written line of dialogue isn't going to kill it. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, that was actually important. Yeah, I still think that it did feel forced for kind of Peter to oh, say. Oh, it did. Sound like him. But even, even if I don't like that, like, I'm not the kind of person I'm going to say, oh, well, one thing made the movie terrible, but I'm still going to point out the things that I wasn't thrilled about, and I yeah. wasn't thrilled about that. But I was, I'm more okay, even though I still am not a huge fan of it, of the line itself, I'm more okay with it. And the fact that it wasn't just weirdly written, it at least meant something and had an mm-hmm. impact. Because now it sounds, because I wasn't the only one that thought, oh, execute them all just is a really weird way to say it. It does kind of sounds menacing in a way. 
uh, Mysterio and his goons were like, yeah, that does sound menacing. Let's use that. And I'm like, great minds think alike, buddy. So then also Mysterio mm-hmm. uh, reveals, not only does he blame Peter for trying to kill him, or killing him actually, because they say he is dead, then also revealing that, that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Okay, and, correct so, me if I'm wrong, but is that like one of the first times that, barring any comic universes, is that one of the first times that Spider-Man's identity has been publicly revealed in a movie? Uh, I don't know in regards, I don't remember it in Amazing Spider-Man 1 or 2, and I don't know in the original Tobey Maguire, because like I said, I haven't seen those. Because that so just felt very, that surprised me that they would do that, because I feel like as opposed to someone like, you know, all the superheroes have their alter egos, their other identities, but most of the time you know who they really are. Like, everyone knows that Steve Rogers is Captain America. Everyone obviously knows yeah. that Tony Stark is Iron Man. People know the real identities behind the superhero ones, but Peter Parker was always kind of that anomaly where you didn't know. And so, I mean, it makes sense for the MCU in some ways, but I was surprised that they would reveal him for what seemed... I, I've just never seen that happen. I was like, wow, this is going to be interesting. So I, since I wasn't expecting that, I wasn't expecting the MCU to just go and do it. Mm-hmm. I'm actually pretty for how they're going to handle it. I do know that he was... I don't know a lot about the comic universes, but the biggest one that I do know is that actually, I actually have... Ironically, I have this exact comic, but there is a comic, one of the Civil War comics... I'll get the issue out. Uh, it's the Amazing Spider-Man and Marvel Comics event, and it's Civil War, and it's five issue five thirty three, and it is. I haven't like read the whole issue, but I already kind of know the plot of it. It's whenever the similar thing, the Superhero Registration Act, which is similar to the Sokovia Accords, and Spider-Man is on Iron Man's side, and Iron Man kind of convinces Peter to reveal himself to mm-hmm. the world in a press conference. And so there's a press conference in here. And then I believe soon after someone targets, I think, Aunt May, because they now know that she's related to Spider-Man. And then Spider-Man's ticked at Tony because he's like, I should have never done that because now everyone, all the villains know who I am and who my family is. And they're going to come after us. Right. So that's the one that I know specifically of him, like revealing it. But that was also him sort of intending to do it i mean tony talked him into it but he did technically willingly go and say hey y'all i'm spider-man ironically mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm flipping through it and J. jonah jameson is in this comic <laughs> but uh yeah so i don't know oh, i don't going know. back to the whoops going back to the daily bugle thing real quick apparently it's supposed to be a spoof of um because they say like hold on what do they call it now i can't find it again great the MCU version of the Daily Bugle is known as a quote-unquote controversial news website, appearing to be a parody of the proliferation of online sensationalist media outlets such as Infowars. So there's that, which I guess kind of makes sense. Apparently it's supposed to be kind of a spoof of that. So that makes sense. Anyway, back to what we were actually talking about. Yeah, so basically with the mid credit scene, I don't really have a lot of the thoughts on it other than the fact that I mean, I was already, of course, excited for Spider-Man 3 because I love, you know, Tom Holland and what they're doing with it. Mm-hmm. But, like, that definitely makes me very excited because I'm like, well, what are you going to do? Who's going to be the yeah. villain? What, what are we, Everyone's going to be the villain. <laughs> Everyone's going to be. The whole world just hates him now. And, like, I'm curious who's going to, you know, how many people are actually going to believe that video, especially in an age where we do know that videos can be a doctor. But then again, we do have all these different controversies in real life of, like, videos and audio and stuff and people not knowing if it's real or not so i'm excited for that 
Nothing um, is and then the, Everything is a lie. Uh, and then the post. So the post edits. Uh, the, the post. The credits. The post post credits. Well, I mean, it's technically just post credits because it's big credits. So then it's the other one with the scrolls. Yeah, where we find out that the entire time the Fury and Maria Hill, what we knew, were um, Talos and his wife from Captain Marvel, and I was just like, dude, what? And it doesn't really show us much. Like the mid credit scene explains more of you know what was happening in it. Like, oh whoa, here's a video. Whereas in this one, it's just Talos and his wife calling Fury, who's apparently on some space station, having a vacation. Uh, oh, I'm rhyming. Which he, um, which he deserves. I mean, he I, does. I, I'd like to argue. Also, I, mean, I kind of forgot about this, but Nick Fury is supposed to be dead, isn't he? Or did that get, like, in The Winter Soldier, he dies. Yeah. And, like, I, everyone I, thinks he's dead, but did that ever get taken back? I don't really know, to be honest, because, like, he shows up in Age of Ultron, but then I don't know, because, like, the people of Sokovia might have seen him, but I don't really know if they would have had anything. So I'm not entirely sure, because then also, like, the post credit scene of Infinity War, him and Maria Hill just driving around, and he gets out of the car all willy-nilly because a helicopter is crashing. So I'm actually not sure. I mean, that could be some reason. But, like, he's on this space station with all these different scrolls, and so it seems like the scrolls have teamed up with him and are working for him now, which, I mean, makes sense to some degree, because, like, he knew them from Captain Marvel in the 90s, right. so not, like, randomly bridging two movies, he was in both, so it makes mm-hmm. sense, maybe, but there are a couple things that are interesting about that. Uh, well, first, again, I listen to, like, a lot of podcasts or watch yeah. videos of people who have more knowledge of the comics than me, so most See, of the comics... This is the, okay, th- here's the difference between us, real quick. I saw that there were videos about Spider-Man Homecoming by people that I follow, and I was like, or not Homecoming, of Far From Home, and I was like, man, I really want to watch these, but I was like, no, I will not let myself get corrupted before I have the chance to record this podcast, whereas you're just like, "Mm, yeah, let's watch all the things, which is fine. I was just like, those are our two very different methods. Well, okay, I also watched, like, all these way before we even decided to make a podcast, like, the night I came home from Spider-Man Far From Home, I was like, I am watching everything I can find on it because I'm that kind of person. But so I, but I also like, it's also fun because, like I said, I'm not very knowledgeable in comics. So whenever I'm able to listen to people who have a little bit more knowledge and can talk about it, then I can find stuff. So basically, anytime you hear me talking about comic stuff, it's probably something I heard, but I'll probably say it is usually. Um, And so I I was watching. Again, beyond the trailer with Grace Randolph, she does a lot of videos and like end credits. She was she had two different videos in the end credit scene, and she talked about that in the comics. There's apparently like after Shield falls, or whatever. There's another version of Shield called Sword, which I don't know what that stands <laughs> for, but apparently there is. I don't know a lot about it, but she was saying that she wonders if that's what this new you know group with the scrolls is supposed to be is supposed to be like a Shield equivalent now, but a different one. So, like, that's interesting. I'm curious if that's what it will become. But the also interesting thing is is the whole comic storyline of uh, Secret Invasion, which was all about the Skrulls invading Earth and people not knowing which ones were real people or which ones were Skrulls. And, like, the Avengers even had Skrulls in the middle of their mist, which I like the premise of a lot. Did and you just say in the middle of our midst? I might have said R. In the in their midst, I thought I said in their midst. I don't know. You said in the middle of their midst, and I was like, "Well, that's redundant." But anyway, continue. I might have said that. And if so, I'm gonna be like listening to this as I edit it, and just be like, 
Why? Anyway, I keep Why? I keep derailing the conversation. Keep talking. But uh, with the secret invasion, people like wanted it and thought with the introduction of the scrolls and Captain Marvel that would be an indication that maybe that's a storyline they were going to explore. But then in Captain Marvel, they were like, well, the Skrulls are just innocent refugees and we tricked you because you thought they were the villains. But maybe... Which is fine. The Skrulls actually don't have a huge problem with it. The only problem I have is if they only... Well, if they only ever portray them as an innocent race that hasn't done anything wrong. Because I've heard that in the comics that the Kree-Skrull war was really interesting because neither side was good nor bad and so you had this really interesting struggle of who should win because they're both doing good and bad things i really like like the grayness of that so i like the scrolls in general i mean i will get frustrated if they just go and say oh well they've never done a bad thing in their life so so i don't think that's the case we've only met like five scroll so what would be interesting is i'm hoping that maybe they will follow up the Secret Invasion storyline with, like, rogue scrolls or whatever. And then it'd be interesting since we now have what may be S.W.O.R.D. with all the scrolls that are then going to have to help fight their own. And so I don't really know. I don't, I don't really know. Like, we know more about, like, the mid credit scene as well. Obviously, it's probably setting up, you know, the third Spider-Man. But with this one, I don't really know what it's setting up, what it's going at. It's just a lot of stuff, and you're just like, uh, okay, scrolls, let's do this. So mm-hmm. I probably don't really have anything else to say about the end credits. All I know is that I want to know what's happening, but I got to wait. Well, I think we've covered a lot. I, I think, think we've that... covered everything. We've been talking I'm for an sure... hour and 42 minutes. I'm sure we could probably end up talking for another three hours. I'm but sure. Can't, and we shouldn't, especially since I'm going to have to try to edit this down to a reasonable length. Correct. Um, uh, do you have any last thoughts you can think of? Like any maybe last five words. words. My last words are: I really like this movie. I still think the Spider, like Homecoming and Far From Home, are still probably some of my favorite MCU movies. I just like that they feel real and they feel different. So okay. I really appreciate that about them. But I'm gonna keep that short because it's hot and I want to turn my air conditioner back on. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, before we go, then would you like if you were rating it out of ten? What would you think? What rating do you think you'd give it? I don't like rating things on numerical scales. Okay, I need, like, benchmarks. Like, what's a one? Uh, okay, a one is, like, the worst movie ever. Cannot stand it. I didn't enjoy it one bit. Okay, Uh, one is Percy Jackson the Lightning Thief. Okay, sure. Five would be... I enjoyed it, and I had it had some issues, but it was average, and it was it was good. And then once you get up to like probably like eight to ten, it's just like there's not a lot wrong with this movie. It's one of my favorite things. I love it so much. Ten is The Winter Soldier. There you go. No, ten is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Just kidding. That movie is not that great. I've <laughs> never seen that, but for me, you don't need to. Ten Although movies. it is really funny to watch because Chris Evans is in it and Brie Larson is in it, but it was like oh, really? before they were Captain Marvel and Captain America, which really cracks me up every time I watch it. But anyway, that's besides the point. I would say like, I mean, this is just on anything. I would say it's like somewhere like a seven or an eight, like a seven point eight five maybe. Yeah, I would actually probably put it somewhere 
yeah, around there. Because I would definitely put it up higher because I just really enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. I don't have too many complaints with it. Especially the biggest since... complaint is that Morgan Stark isn't in it. True. That would have been so cute. Like, ugh, I'm your big brother now. Yeah, I think I saw, like, other people weren't the happiest about that. So, you say uh, 7.85, and yes. I'm going to say, <laughs> you know what, I'm going to give it a, an 8. I think that... You like whole numbers. It's a good, I think it's a good one. It's my favorite number. I think it's a good good movie, and I enjoyed yeah. it. And I'm really excited for where the MCU is going to go from here. And I love Tom Holland, and I love Zendaya. And I love them together. So you like well, all the characters in Far From Home, and you like the movie, and you gave it an 8. I don't like all the characters in Far From Home. You like most of the characters in Far From Home. Ned annoyed me, because I felt like he was a good friend at Homecoming, and then this one, he was just... I don't know why he was there. But that's that's a, that's a conversation that we don't need to have, because it's probably... It's not really that interesting, honestly. But it's not a huge part of the movie. Uh, so basically... Tweet at Kiara if you want to hear about her opinions on Ned, which apparently are many. You can I, find her at, at I, Kiara. Wow, Kiara. Wow. Kiara. Yeah, Kiara. Me. That's your name now. I don't want that to be my name. Right, give yeah. your Twitter name because <laughs> I, I, I just stumbled through it. Okay, well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this. Be sure to connect with us on social media to tell us what you thought of Far From Home. You can contact me on Twitter at Kiara Kalmy. That's K-I-A-R-A underscore K-A-L-M-E-Y. And you can find me at Writer Mags on Twitter. You know, like Writer, the word, and then Mags. And then if you want to contact the actual podcast account on Twitter, that's at UnreliablePod. If you'd like to send us anything through email whether it's like a huge essay on your thoughts from far from home or just want to say hi we would love to talk to you so you can contact us at unreliable narrators pod at gmail.com that's unreliable narrators pod at gmail.com if you send your if you send an essay to the email account i would like your sources cited in mla format i don't do apa if you send it in apa i will not read it i i will read whatever you send me because I, I I will. I'm friendly like that. So I'm not. Address it to me instead of Maggie. Mm-hmm. I'll re- <laughs> so thank you guys so much for listening. I had a great time. Thank you for talking about Far From Home with me, Maggie. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It. All right. Well, we'll see you next week with a brand yeah. new episode. Bye. Bye.